In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Historically, the fourth Sunday in Lent has been observed by relaxing the fast. It has been called Mothering Sunday after the epistle, which says, Jerusalem above is free, which is the mother of us all. A medieval tradition was to visit one's mother church today, which was usually the cathedral. More recent tradition is to do something nice for one's mother. The lessons reflect the lighter tone. Today is the first gospel in Lent that does not have the devil or a demon in it. The gospel focuses on Christ, the bread of life, who feeds the hungry multitudes who are following him. This illustrates how Christ fills our Lenten hunger with himself, which lends another a title today, which is Refreshment Sunday. The gospel miracle begins with a test of faith administered by Jesus to Philip. Where will we buy enough bread to feed all these people? Philip observed that wages earned from 200 days worth of work would not be sufficient. Philip saw only the problem, but not the solution. Andrew found a boy with some loaves and fishes, but this only highlighted the problem of a lack of supply. St. John gives us some clues to the deeper meaning of the story. He tells us that the Passover was near and that Jesus had just crossed a sea and gone up a mountain. In the Old Testament, in the context of the first Passover, Moses had led Israel through the sea and then shortly thereafter had gone up a mountain to get the commandments. The multitudes followed Jesus because of the miracles or signs that he did, just as Israel followed Moses because of the signs and wonders that he performed in Egypt. This suggests that St. John wants us to see Jesus as a new Moses. Jesus tested Philip to see whether Philip understood the connection between Jesus and Moses, between the manna that God provided for Israel in the wilderness and what Jesus was about to do. Like Moses, Jesus led the multitudes to a place where there was no food in order in that empty place to reveal God to them in a new way. God obviously reveals himself through miraculous signs that rescue people from various discomforts right now. But God wants a deeper relationship with his people. And this requires enduring faith. Faith that perseveres when there is no miracle. Or better, faith that sees through the miracle that sees the giver of the miracle and not just the gift. The word for miracle in the gospel means literally sign. One will not understand a sign unless one understands what the sign 
points to. At the end of Israel's wilderness experience, Moses explained to the people why God led them to and through the wilderness. Quote, You shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would obey his commandments or not. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna, which you did not know, neither did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Unfortunately, neither the manna story nor the wilderness feeding in our gospel had a happy ending. The constant murmuring of Israel kept the entire adult population except two people from entering into the promised land. And if we read on in John 6, we see that Jesus, who attracted a great multitude with his miracles, proceeded to uh, discourage them, to send them all away with a very difficult sermon. The essential point of the sermon was that the people should not seek the food. They should seek the giver of the food. They should see the one to whom the sign of the food Pointed. As Jesus said, quote, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. After this sermon in John's Gospel, towards the end of chapter 6, in a verse propitiously numbered 666, we are told, quote, From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. The people came seeking additional miracles. When they got the Son of God instead, they went away disappointed. We are supposed to learn from this pattern. St. Paul, commenting on the wilderness experience of Israel, writes, these, hap- these things happen to them for examples, and they are written for our admonition, upon whom the end of the ages has come. One lesson for us is not to be surprised when our lives follow the pattern of the history of Israel. We follow Jesus because our prayers are answered, because we experience God's presence in some significant way. We begin to follow, and then, much to our surprise, we are led to a place where there is no food. Food is a metaphor. We are led to a place where we lack some needed or desired thing. We are disappointed or hurt. We expected or wanted God to give us something or act in some particular way, and he did not. We feel spiritually dry 
and alienated from God and from other people. We have second thoughts, just like the multitudes that followed both the old and the new Moses. We begin to consider whether we ourselves might go back and follow him no more. The chief lesson to learn is that this pattern is normal. As Teresa of Avila was purported to have said to God at such a point in time, if this is the way you treat your good friends, it's no wonder that you have so few of them. In truth, disappointment, pain, and hard knocks are essential parts of growing up. We cater to every need of the infant, but we expect the maturing person to deal with increasing levels of pain, to fight progressively harder battles with decreasing levels of aid. If you want to create an adult narcissist, make sure that through elementary school and adolescence, every need is catered to and all pain and difficulty is avoided. But if you want to produce a grown-up, you must at some point in time leave that person alone to figure things out on his or her own. God leads us to the barren place because he intends to reveal himself to us in that place in a new way. This requires that we grow up, that we come off the breast and begin to eat solid food, that we learn to walk by faith and not by mere sight and sense. When God leads us into such a test, he is also saying that we are able to handle it. God tests us because he thinks we have the faith necessary to pass the test. As 1 Corinthians says, quote, no temptation has overtaken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted or tested beyond what you are able but will with the test or temptation provide the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Another lesson to learn is that the Christian life is full of paradox. What we think is going on is often the opposite of what is really going on. Thus the cross, the instrument of death, is really the means of life. It looked like Jesus was being defeated like he was being overcome by the forces of evil. In fact, he was in the process of conquering Satan, sin, and death. In the same way, the empty place is the place where we can find new sources of food. When we do not experience God's presence in the usual invisible ways, this is opportunity for us to experience God's presence 
in new ways. The bread of life is hidden beneath the barren surface. Immediately after the feeding miracle, Jesus said to the crowd, quote, You seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and are full. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life. To labor for the food that endures, we have to learn to want the eternal more than a temporal. To labor for the food that endures, we have to learn to look past the visible circumstances and obvious needs and see the presence and activity of God beneath the surface. This is the difference between mere bread and the bread of life. As Jesus said, quote, your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread that comes down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.